0: What's going on, everybody? Paul Dolan with another episode of the Almost Perfect Podcast. And today, I'm going to be changing things up because there's a TV show on ESPN called First Take. And just the other day, I saw them discussing something, and I thought, I think it's time for the Almost Perfect First Take. Welcome back. Thank you for joining me. It's always appreciated. What we are going to be discussing are the Brooklyn Nets and Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin made a statement the other day. And he said, it's funny how just a few years ago, everyone said, I suck. But now that I joined the Nets, I'm too good to be here. And I had several problems with this. Because these comments are are clearly so consciously blind to the facts. The first place I'm going to start, what so many NBA players say when they're being interviewed. People have been saying this or that about you on Twitter, or this is trending. uh, How does that make you feel? I just keep working. I don't pay attention to it. I don't listen to it. And I'm here to work and make all of this work. Blake Griffin cannot say that. Blake Griffin can't say that. Because in a strange way, in a very strange way, he's almost, in a sense, blaming the fans and blaming the analysts to be able to make this move appropriate. Are you saying that NBA fans and analysts, if we didn't say that you suck, you would have stuck it out in Detroit? Really? Why should we believe that? So because we say that you suck, you think that now you get a hall pass to be a low-level contributor, and I'll get to that in a little bit, a low-level contributor to a massively, massively favored NBA Finals winner? So if we said that you were a top 10 player, you wouldn't have done this? If you didn't think that we were right, then why would you make this move? So you obviously hear the chatter, and now you make this move. If you didn't think that we were right to some level, then you you wouldn't have made this move, is what you're saying. Because if your rationale for this move is that you do suck and so you can join this team and so that you can get a ring and you can just ring chase and everything is going to be fine, then you do take it to heart. You do take the criticism to heart. You do believe the criticism. You do hear the criticism. You're keeping your ears to the ground and you're listening to what people want to say about you instead of changing their minds yourself. Let me be clear. It's not a bad thing to care about what other people think about you. It's an empty place to find happiness, but it's not a bad quality to have necessarily. But understand that your rationale is done in complete bad faith with the facts. You think you're a top 20 player, top 10 player, probably even. And now you're going to go over to the team with three other of the top 10 players in the league. And you don't think that that's going to be overwhelming odds. Like, are you crazy? What are you talking about? Like, what are you actually talking about when you're saying this? Because nothing what you're saying is adding up, Blake and you think that just because you get that ring now, everybody's going to shut up about you, that's simply not true. People will talk about you more than ever before, most likely. Because if I had to bet, you'll never openly talk about your final stats. I'm going to assume nine and a half points, three rebounds, and an assist and a half, probably. And you want to compare that to the three people that will... Together, most likely average, 100 points per game in the finals. So what you're going to do, Blake, is you're going to be in the position where the Nets win a championship. And all you get from it is jewelry. You shouldn't hold the trophy. You shouldn't be at the parade. You will have a ring with more diamonds in it than beads of sweat that came down your face during the finals. I don't mean to be harsh. I don't mean to be harsh, but that's what's going to happen. The Nets will win a title. You will have not won the title. You will get jewelry. They will get a title. And this brings me directly to my second point. It seems like in the sports broadcasting world, we have put so much of an emphasis on players winning a championship that inevitably this became the consequence of it. But I'm actually going to ask a more philosophical question here. And in a sense, the question really is, what came first, the chicken or the egg? I know, deeply philosophical, right? So I'm going to pose the question, what came first? The championship or the champion? And it seems like in every sports outlet imaginable, the champion only comes from the championship I am here today to tell you that everybody has it reversed. And Blake Griffin is the prime example of that. This isn't meant to be taken literally. However, it points to something very important. And here's an example of it. We talk about Kobe Bryant on this podcast all the time. When did Kobe Bryant become a champion? And my answer is, Kobe Bryant became a champion when he was 14 years old, waking up at 5 a.m and going outside to take 200 jump shots before class began. Kobe Bryant became a champion when he was shooting outside at 11 p.m. when all the lights were out and everybody else had gone home. LeBron James became a champion when he started learning and studying the game, as if he was at Harvard. LeBron became a champion when he was at the park at 5 a.m. shooting jump shots before going to school. Tim Duncan was a champion back at Wake Forest when he was practicing more than everybody else on his team combined. D. Wade was a champion before he won a championship. MJ was a champion before they won a championship. Shaq was a champion before he won a championship. Go down the list. So it seems to me that Blake Griffin, you want the jewelry and none of the glory. You want the award, And not all of the work. And most importantly, you would rather win through other people than make it yourself. And in a world where the main theme is competition, you can't respect that. You can't respect that. So this is the difference between winning a championship and being a champion. If they win the title here, Blake Griffin is in no way, shape, or form a champion. He'll have a championship. Congratulations. Can't take that away from you. You'll be on that roster on Wikipedia forever. You want to be somebody that is just looked up at on a screen 80 years from now? Some new casual NBA fan says, Oh, wow, they had Blake Griffin. Let, let, let me look at his highlights. You know where all of your highlights will be from? I'll be from L.A. And so even they in the future will say that, oh, you know, when they had him, he kind of sucked, actually. So even to go to an earlier point about you hearing this and almost even agreeing with it to a certain extent, now you can't even run away from it because you've bought into it and you've acted upon it. And because of all of that, now this is what you're going to be known as. The thing that hurt you the most is now what you're going to be known for. I mean, I could be on the bench too. You think I would imagine myself as a champion if I was on that bench? Jeremy Lin, prime example, prime example here. He says he doesn't even like having won the NBA championship while with the Toronto Raptors because it was either he didn't come into the game at all during the finals or he played like a total of seven minutes or something. And he says he cries about it. And that is something far and away more respectable and honest than what Blake Griffin is doing here. Jeremy Lin can at least acknowledge the fact that, no, he didn't earn the ring. He got the ring. He didn't earn the ring. But the absolute gall of Blake Griffin to just smile and act like, ah, oh, you know what? Yeah, y'all can hate me. I'm, I'm a champion. I'm a champion in the making. I'm a champion in the making. You don't respect the game. You don't respect the process. You don't respect the effort. And you don't respect what made the greatest players really great. Struggle. Losing. You have two reactions from from anything. Fight or flight. In the words of Rafiki, you can either run from it or learn from it. Ah, you see? So what are you going to do? Simba learned. He took his stick, and then he started running to face his problem. Blake Griffin, on the other hand, didn't learn from his defeats, did not learn from his losses, and as a matter of fact, envied his losses to the point of not working harder and instead copping out. Would Kobe Bryant have done something like this? Sure, maybe not a fair comparison. Kobe Bryant was not even in the same league as Blake Griffin. Another thing that's coming to my mind, quote from Damian Lillard during the bubble, when he was in the middle of his beef with Paul George and Patrick Beverly, He tweeted out something like to Paul George. He tweeted out, keep running from the grind, you boys is chumps. That speaks perfectly to this. Keep running from the grind. This is more than giving up. It's a higher degree of giving up. This is the guy, you know who this is, this is the guy in college when you have a group project, a five-person group project, is always the one person who doesn't do the work, and just shows up when they have to present, the whole team gets an A, and so does he, it's the exact same thing, Blake Griffin is the lackey of group projects, it's exactly what he is. And, again, is in no way a champion for having this championship. In my opinion, if anything, he's further away. And lastly, Blake, you have to understand that this is contextual. And I'm really not going to treat you like you're some like absolute barbaric idiot, okay? I, I assume that you have to know that to some extent. That when people say that you suck, it's contextual. You understand that you've been in the league for 10 years. You were the number one pick overall. This is why it's contextual. We mean as a number one or number two, especially a number one or a number two offensive option. Because Blake, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news here, but you were the number two offensive option in Los Angeles. And you never made it out of the second round of the playoffs. And you did not have a trash team. Chris Paul, Karan Butler, J.J. Reddick, DeAndre Jordan, and more. And you never made it out of the second round. As a matter of fact, since coming into the league in 09, again as the number one overall pick, the Clippers made the playoffs six times. You made it to the second round the first time you were swept by the Spurs in the second round. And the third time, you blew a 3-1 lead to the Rockets. And Blake, again, you were the number two overall option. And you crumbled every single time. Now, again, let me be clear. It's not bad to not be a first or second or third offensive option. What's bad is when you're not and you act like you are. When you're not, and you play like you are. When you're not, and you have the attitude of somebody that does have that role. As a player that is going to be the number one or number two option on a team, you're not going to get the job done. And you haven't. This isn't even me being harsh, so much as this is me pointing out simple facts and drawing the natural conclusions to them. And then to make things worse, as if they aren't bad enough already, you leave LA and you go to Detroit, where you're clearly the number one overall option. You wanted to go somewhere, be the man, have a team built around you, and then have success. I hate to break it to you, Blake, but you didn't last three seasons under that kind of a role. The role you wanted, the role you thought you deserved, and the role that you Wanted to have all along. Be the man. Bring success. In your first season with Detroit, this is again the half season, you played 25 games, and you averaged 19.8 points, 6.6 rebounds, and 6.2 assists. Now again, let's be clear. You wanted to be the number one option. Tell me a competitive team in the league One competitive team in the league where their number one scoring option, their number one offensive option, is putting up 19, 6, and 6. As the number one overall option, you're putting up number two offensive overall options. That means with more touches, you're doing Less. 19-6-6 wouldn't even be all that bad for a number two option. I'd be, you know, kind of pleased with that. I'd want more scoring, but I'd be kind of pleased. But if you're putting up second offensive options stats while being the number one offensive option, then you're trash, okay? That's how it works, you are in a very strict business with the best of the best playing. This is where champions are made. This is the difference here. Now, your first full season with Detroit, you played 75 games. And hey, you averaged 24.5 points, 7.5 rebounds, and 5.5 assists. You know what? I'm, I'm... pretty okay with those numbers as a matter of fact if i'm being totally honest i'm pretty okay with them they're not terrible 24 and a half points i can i'm cool with that your effective field goal percentage was 53 your three point percentage was 36 and your field goal percentage as a whole was 46 those aren't even terrible numbers those really aren't But the thing about a number one option, the thing about a champion, it's not done in one season. It's not done in one game. It's done over and over again. And so if we just jump to the very next season, it's the 2020 season, so there are some asterisks here. For example, you only played in 18 games. You only played in 18 games. Your points per game dropped by 9. You're at now 15.5 points per game. Total rebounds, 4.7. Total assists, 3.3. Effective field goal percentage, 40. Three point percentage, 24. Field goal percentage, 35. Every number dropped. Every stat dropped. You're the number one option you're 30 years old that's what you that that's what you can put up that's what you can put up and in your 24 games for Detroit this season your stats went to 11 and a half points per game five rebounds a game and three and a half assists a game this is why we say you suck Blake Griffin This is exactly the reason why we say that you suck. And also, moreover, why you're so easy to hate, also. Let's just be real. Four games into your career with the Brooklyn Nets, you're averaging eight points, 1.8 assists, and four rebounds in 18 minutes. So, is this what you want? You want to get a championship? for playing 18 minutes a game and scoring 8 points a game. That's what you want as your contribution. And this isn't even the main reason. I'm going to get into the main reason now, the absolute worst part of this whole thing. Let's take a look at the Brooklyn Nets roster. I'm going to name all the players that they have. First, that are clearly a higher priority on offense, a higher offensive option in front of Blake Griffin. I'm going to name all those people first, and then second, I'm going to name the people that it's debatable. This is in no particular order. Number one, LaMarcus Aldridge. Number two, Kevin Durant. Number three, James Harden. Number four, Joe Harris. Number five, Kyrie Irving. So already, Blake Griffin is right now behind those five people, which means he would be the sixth offensive option. However, I would also make the case for Spencer Dinwiddie, very good player, almost single-handedly took the Nets to the playoffs last year without KD or Kyrie. And also, I would make the case for Jeff Green. He can at least shoot the three better. Blake Griffin looks so mechanical when he's shooting. He damn near looks like Ultron trying to shoot the ball. So mechanical and awkward. Jeff Green can at least spread the floor and he can still jump also. He might even be more athletic than Blake Griffin now at this point. So if all those players were in front of Blake Griffin as an offensive weapon, let's recap. One, Lamarcus Aldridge. Two, Spencer Dinwiddie. Three, Kevin Durant. Four, Jeff Green. Five, James Harden. Six, Joe Harris. Seven, Kyrie Irving. That would make Blake Griffin the eighth offensive option. The eighth offensive option. The number one overall pick is now the eighth offensive option. And this is again why we say that you suck, Blake Griffin. Because number one, you're the eighth offensive option. That's trash. In the NBA. But number two, I'm just going to pull up three other teams and I'm going to talk about what their eighth offensive option is and compare and contrast it to Blake Griffin. I chose these teams totally at random. So, number one, Denver Nuggets. Again, in no particular order, their offensive options are Will Barton, Aaron Gordon. Nikola Jokic, Paul Millsap, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. That makes six. I would say Jamichael Green and Monte Morris. It'd be a coin flip between Monte Morris and P.J. Dozier. But that means that Blake Griffin is the Monte Morris of the Brooklyn Nets. He fills that exact same role as Monte Morris does. And this isn't to say he's as good or as bad as Monte Morris is. I actually think Monte Morris is a pretty good player. But Blake Griffin, you're better than that. You're much better than that. And that's the problem here. To have you as an eighth offensive option is just absurd. Let's look at Milwaukee. Again, in no particular order. Giannis, one. Dante DiVincenzo, two. Drew Holiday 3, Chris Middleton 4, Bobby Portis 5, P.J. Tucker 6, I would say Brooke Lopez, and then Pat Connaughton. And Pat Connaughton's a pretty good player. But Pat Connaughton is also averaging 6.9 points per game, 4.7 rebounds, and 1.4 assists. That's what you're going to be looking at, Blake. Those are the numbers. You're already only averaging 8 points in 18 minutes or whatever it is that I said before. What I would really love, what I would really, really love is that if in a post-game press conference one day, Blake Griffin just starts saying, you know, I think I should be getting more touches. I'm a better offensive player than this. I can contribute in more ways. I think I need the ball more. If he starts complaining about touches and minutes and games played even, possibly in the future, he'll never, he'll never live this down. Never. What would be even more impressive, in an ironic way, is that if he starts seeing garbage time minutes, if Blake Griffin starts seeing garbage time minutes when Brooklyn's up 25 with two and a half left in the game, I don't know if I'll ever stop laughing. I'm serious, I don't know if I would ever stop laughing at that. And watch him also pat his stats... Like, he's the only one who's going to be shooting during that time also. And he'll be looking down on the players that he's playing with. Meanwhile, they're a direct reflection of who you are, Blake. So, so far, Blake Griffin is the Pat Connaughton and the Monte Morris of the Brooklyn Nets. Now let's look at the Miami Heat. The defending Eastern Conference champions. In no particular order. One Bam Adebayo two, Jimmy Butler, three, Goran Dragic, four, Tyler Hero, five, Victor Oladipo, six, Duncan Robinson. I might say seven is Andre Iguodala, and then I might say eight is Bialitza. Bialica, maybe Kendrick Nunn. And Bielitza, again, isn't a terrible player. I've even said on my on the last episode, I'm actually somewhat of a fan of Bialica. But again, Bielitsa and Blake Griffin, should not be in the same conversation. They shouldn't be. But Blake, you have now brought this all upon yourself. If you welcome the hate, which you clearly do from making this move, and at the same time are affected by the hate and hear it, take it in, and absorb it, and you've gone out of your way to make this move and do this, instead of going to any other team, any other team, then I don't know what you're really trying to accomplish here, other than get jewelry. I don't know. Because you're not going to be anointed a champion after this. You will not be. You will be ridiculed, if anything. You'll have the banner, sure, but you, don't even, you shouldn't even be at the parade And you're also not going to stay in Brooklyn more than a year. And what really annoys me, it might be random, but what really annoys me is that Blake Griffin had the absolute audacity to wear the number two in New York. Blake Griffin is the antithesis of Derek Jeter. And he's wearing his number? Are you kidding me? Somebody higher up, the GM, the team president, should have... Heard that that was going to happen, and then immediately axed it. Immediately said, mm, "No, mm, we're not. Mm, no, we're not letting that happen." So, Blake Griffin, let me ask you a couple questions. How much do you think you are going to contribute in the finals? If it's eight points a game in the regular season, it might be five in the postseason. It might be five in the finals. It might be eight minutes of finals action per game. And if you think playing eight minutes a game, 10 minutes a game in the NBA finals, and contributing, I'm saying it right now, anywhere from five points per game to 10 points a game. If you think contributing that after playing only two and a half months with that team, if you think all of that mixed together, all of those factors combined, equal champion, then you simply do not understand competition. You don't understand competition, and worse than that, you are depriving every other NBA fan of competition. I was never even that much of a fan of you, but you were better than this. It makes it very clear to me, at least, that this makes you lower than a role player. You're a fill-in player at this point. It shows me that you don't think you can win a title. That you don't think you can bring a team a title. It shows me that you don't think you can even be a key contributor in a finals on a championship team. It shows me that you've given up on yourself and you've given up on the grind. You've given up on the work and you've given up on the effort. You just want to be handed the ring. You could have been a nice piece For a team like Phoenix, a young team, maybe Chris Paul wouldn't have you. Totally possible, I grant that. Just naming some teams. Could have been nice for Sacramento with that young core. Could have been good for the Hornets, the Celtics, the Hawks. Who knows if they would have taken you? But nobody would be this upset with you if you had gone to any one of those other teams. Imagine if you went to the Hawks, who are currently in 6th place. Imagine if by the time the season was over, you brought them all the way up to third. You brought them to the second round of the playoffs and they lost in seven games to, let's say, the Bucs. Do you realize how high your stock would go? You're shorting your own stock, so to speak, by doing this. Imagine if you went to the Bulls. They're in 10th place. Imagine if you brought them all the way to sixth, so they didn't even have to play the play-in game to the playoffs. Who knows if it would have happened, but imagine if you did that. All this shows, as I said, is that you have quit on yourself. You've quit on the NBA. You've quit on competition. You've quit on the grind. You've quit on the hard work and you quit on losing. But not only did you quit on losing, you quit on losing and put the burden on somebody else's shoulders. It was too much for you to carry. It's too much for you to carry. If you think that you're going to average more than 10 points per game in the finals, and if you think that averaging 10 points per game in the finals makes you anything more than a forgotten teammate 12 years from now, you are the trivia question. Name the five players on the team... Name the five players on the Brooklyn Nets when they won a title in 2021 that all had over five all-star game appearances. You're the player that people in the future are gonna be like, who was that? Yeah, I know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was was Kyrie, KD, James Harden. Uh, They got LaMarcus late. Um, There was another guy though. You're the guy that makes the question difficult. After being a number one overall pick, after being the heart of Lob City with Chris Paul, you couldn't couldn't handle it anymore. You couldn't handle losing anymore. So you got somebody else to bail you out. You could be a decent fourth option on offense. A decent fourth option but you didn't settle for fourth option. The Brooklyn Nets went from the big three to the Fantastic Four. And now it's the Fantastic Four times two. And you're the last person on that list. You are the equivalent of an extra in a film. And I don't mean an extra that has like two lines or something like that. I mean a passerby extra, a walking passerby extra. That's what I mean. I mean a guy who is in the frame for all of 1.2 seconds and then has that frame hung up in their living room wall thinking that that's them making the big time. You have never been further away from the big time than you are right now, Blake. But I think I have nailed this coffin shut. And that's all the time that I have today. So, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. You came to this Brooklyn Nets slash Blake Griffin hate session. And you know what? It's, it was therapeutic. I feel good about it. I think our conclusions should be that Blake Griffin is not a champion. He'll have a championship without being a champion. He wants the deck stacked in his favor. He doesn't understand context, evidently. He believes what people say about him. He listens to it, he hears it, and absorbs it. Please let me know if I am way off on Blake Griffin. Totally possible, I grant it. Let me know if I didn't dig into him enough. Let me know what you think comes first, the champion or the championship. Let me know what stats you think Blake Griffin will put up as a Brooklyn Net, and if he even is staying as a Brooklyn Net next season. And if he's not, where is he going? And last but not least, let me know what you thought of the podcast. It's always appreciated. So until next time, I am Paul Dolan. This is The Almost Perfect Podcast, and I will see you next time. Peace.